It's the next level. problematic with humans <laughs> i know everything but you know we struggle as a species in like many things you wake up in the morning and you say today i'm gonna be a better person and then you fail at it and you it, it's we sit there and we go why why does this constantly happen what's our problem you know what our problem is fucking labels that's what our problem is divisions name calling the inability to honestly look ourselves in the mirror and say i'm the problem no, it's always the other guy. Never never me. And I know, you're thinking, oh shit. Here we go. Another preachy rant. No, no. Actually, there's a point to this that's not preachy. But, I mean, oh fuck, let's face it. I, we've all been preached to over, what, at least in the last year? About something or another that we've done. And none of us have listened Nope, listening, or the lack thereof. It's another vice of the human species. And, I mean, there's also, like, and, okay, I'm going to be honest, even I've fallen into this trap many times. I mean, this whole mentality, this thing we dive into where it's like, humans are stupid, you know. It's like something that's embedded in our everyday society. It's always, it's, it's, oh, they're so stupid or they're lazy or they're dumb or, you know what I mean? Like, and it's always the other guy. It's, it's, I mean, and let's face it, hardest business to mind is your own, right? So you're always focused on the other guy. Doesn't matter which side you're on either. It's always the other guy for why your life is a struggle. It's the whole blame game. It's witch hunting. It's it's the repetitive tale of the past 400 plus years. But I mean, I know social media is telling everybody, you know, since 2020, it's it's the other guy's fault. Pandemic is happening because it's the other guy's fault. You're all sheeple because it's the other guy's fault. Yeah. And that, this is the thing, right? And I know, I know you're still thinking he sounds like he's on a soapbox rant. No, no, I'm actually going to turn the tide right about now because this is where I say to you that not all humans are stupid. I know I just got done saying that we always say the other guy is stupid, but not all humans are stupid. Matter of fact, there's quite a few that actually get it. Some actually see that there's more to the story than left versus right, right versus wrong, dumb versus smart, sheeple versus woke people. I hate both of those terms too, but whatever. You know, and, and I mean, you know, social media, your algorithms are going to tell you some new fandangled verbal separation line that you should be hashtagging about right about now. <laughs> in regards to this there's a funny hashtag called me tutu um <laughs> and you're like i know where he's going with that uh but the thing is is that some people actually you know they, they apply some thought to it and they realize that no one's gonna listen to me rant and rave about my views or my you know where i stand firm about pollution or chemical waste or toxic waste if i start ranting and parading around like i know something that i probably know nothing about but if i put a towering monster of a man a superhero in a tutu call him an avenger make him a hero make everyone love him maybe then i can hyperinflate a story about chemical pollution and people will be okay with it. And you want to know something? That is exactly what Lloyd Kaufman did. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violent 
most horrible way to die. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. From the Next Level Network of Podcasts and that toxic dunghole known as Studio Zero, it's time to welcome y'all lurkers back to What Lurks Lurks Behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. This week, the show will conclude the dark superhero theme, you know, we've been going with for a while now um finishing off with a trauma film classic this week is the story of melvin a mop boy a weakling an underrated hero of the town of tromaville that was until he was dumped into a vat of chemical waste it was like green oozy like ace chemical kind of shit and when he came back around he wasn't killing people with laughter though And his enemy wasn't a man in a bat suit. Instead, he was a gargantuan, toxic monster who more or less looked like Sloth from the Goonies. But in a tutu. Hashtag me tutu. From 1984, the classic barn burner I'm reviewing this week is Lloyd Kaufman's The The Toxic Toxic Avenger. Avenger. Starring Mark Torgel as the wimpy Melvin who would transform into the Mitch Cohen as our beloved Toxie. Yes, Toxic Avenger is two people in this movie. Um, kinda. And also I should explain. Okay, so yes, I know. This show technically should have aired last week. Or like been available last week. And the problem that came up was that I scrapped the complete show. I scrapped all of it. I had all my notes written up. I had everything all perfect. I had an intro that sounded awesome. And I just scrapped it. Because here's the thing. And I've noticed the past several weeks on the show. uh, This has sort of been coming out. Um, The problem I'm having with everything these days. And I, I realized that this was a big part of last year for me why the show was so intermittent was too much negativity and i know that you're it it sounds stupid to say that it's very cliche to say that everybody's always about oh don't be so negative it's time to have more positivity and yeah i get it but i have really come to notice and i mean it's always been there but it, it just seems like it's more now that it's just so easy to put down movies and put down people and put down things. And the thing is, is that at the end of the day, like whether we like a movie or not, there's still people who put their heart and soul into these movies. And I think what really kind of highlighted this for me was several, several weeks ago when, and shit, I can't remember what movie it was somebody i think was it spawn i was talking about i think where they basically said the movie was like a zero out of four and that really pissed me off you know because okay so you might not like a movie maybe the movie fails on a lot of levels whatever i mean this happens projects we go into a project we we hope it'll be successful but maybe it's not going to work okay that's fine whatever But to come out and kick someone that hard just really pissed me off. And so like, and you'll, as the show's going to go on, you'll see kind of what I'm talking about. Like my rating system, I've kind of changed and whatnot, but just with even in the last few weeks. Okay. So 
And this was part of why the show got scrapped was because Mortal Kombat was released in theaters in some areas and on demand in others. I got it in on demand. I went into this movie completely just whatever's whatever. Give me action, give me blood, give me gore, I'm happy. That's all I want. I, I, I know that we're going to change certain parts of the lore. We'll create characters. We won't have all the characters. We're going to do different things because that is adaptations. That's what happens. I mean, it is what it is. And Mortal Kombat, like, it was released. It did basically what it said it was going to do. It gave you the action. It gave you the gore. It gave you the blood and, the you know, the, the quippy little sayings and stuff like that. And yet this movie took a lot of heat. Like, again, another polarizing film. And I'm like, fuck. What the hell? Godzilla vs. Kong was the same thing. I mean, and to be fair, how many countless horror movies have people not liked or didn't get, you know? Just this past week, I was watching, I, I got the Blu-ray trilogy for Ginger Snaps. The Aust Was it the Austrian release or whatever? Because here in North America, you can't get Unleashed or Ginger Snaps back. You can't get them on Blu-ray. You have to look elsewhere, and which is what I did. And I got them. Okay, so whatever. I watch them, and I'm reading like reviews online, and it's like so many people didn't get the movies. So what do we do? We say, oh, this movie sucks. This movie is a 0 out of 5. It's a 0 out of 10. It's like, okay, like, and I get this. Like, some directors, some writers, some creators, like Eli Roth, for example, he he wants bad reviews. He's like, I get a bad review and my job is done. And that's cool, but not everyone is Eli Roth. Not everyone can take bad reviews. And I know my show, I, I don't have a big audience, but I have an audience. And... The, so to explain all of this because I'm just like I'm all over the place the thing is is I want to have a different approach with the show so the show I had last week I, I looked it over I was about to start recording it and it just didn't feel right so I scrapped the whole thing and said I'll, I'll come back next week when you know I got my head on straight so it's a fresh direction and it's starting with Toxic Avenger the changes aren't going to be much. There's, there's going to be... They'll be less critical. Let's put it that way. Um, that doesn't mean like a movie like The Blair Witch Project now becomes one of my all-time favorites. I still don't like that movie that much. But what it means, though, is that... Here's the thing. If, if I approach a movie, let's take Blair Witch Project, for example. Loved the marketing, hated the movie. Just because I don't like things in a movie, that's on me now, okay? Like, this this is the thing, and I think a lot of reviewers, this is something that you don't see very often, is that, yes, it's my choice, my opinions, my, you know, whether something works or not in a film, but I'm not going to approach it that it's a shitty piece of work or it's a shitty film or whatever. No. Um, like I said, the rating system will change, Um how I'm kind of approaching this, um, and this the first week I'm doing it, so we'll see how this works. But you guys know I'm a physical media kind of guy, so how I decided I would approach this is I'm going to look at it that there's a it's a four tier system now. Basically, VHS being the bottom, then DVD, then Blu-ray, then give me all the formats. <laughs> and give me all the formats is basically that this movie is epic and I have to own it across the board. Um, and I mean, like, again, it's something that I'm going to attempt to try. We'll see how this works. But I was trying to think of like a rating system that hasn't been done before. And it was like, I don't recall seeing anyone who has looked at it, whether it's a VHS possession or give me all the formats. You know what I mean? And even at that, coming from me, <laughs> I'm a VHS collector. I love VHS, but not everyone appreciates, you know, the nostalgia that comes with it. So saying that it's a VHS tape, people are like, well, VHS tapes get old, they get moldy, they can be destroyed, the quality sucks, and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like the lower ranking, even though in my heart, VHS is like, you know, it's it's the pinnacle. But is what it is. So I'm going to have a different ranking system and whatnot, um, but I don't believe in dealing out zeros and ones. And 
I think that was the other thing too, is I've been for some time now, I've been trying to figure out a way to have a rating system that was unique in its own way. That's not, you know, one through 10 because everybody does one through 10. (laughs) So with all that said, and, you know, just like I said, with all the bullshit and negativity going on these days and too many egos and, you know, it's just enough is enough. So this show starting now is going to have a more, a more positive approach, <laughs> which I'm talking about a movie like the toxic Avenger. Um, I mean, it's probably the most commonly well-known film from trauma. I would have to think anyways. I mean, class of Newcomb high is up there and that whole, that whole world. But I mean, I think toxic Avenger probably is, is the most famous of the trauma films. I know uh, what I, I I did review Night Beast, but Night Beast is different in the fact that it was distributed by trauma, but not necessarily marketed as a trauma film. Toxie, however, is probably like the the Batman of the trauma universe. I know it's been called the Citizen Kane of the trauma universe, but I'm trying to stick within superheroes, so. And, you know, there's that whole be yourself unless you can be Batman. Always be Batman. Well, in this case, let's be Toxie. Let's be Toxic Avenger. And, I mean, I don't know. Even though in the it's funny, in the first film, he's not actually called the Toxic Avenger. He's not called Toxie. He's not called anything except for the narrator in the film calling him that. But other than that, I mean, and Toxie's whole, you know, moment of birth it's a trivia in itself, you know, for the fact that actually he was sort of hinted, you know, the, the seed was planted in, you know, 76 when Lloyd worked on, uh, he was um, behind the scenes for the filming of Rocky. <laughs> I bet you didn't know that. Um, but hey, hey, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, so let's whew, dial it back. Let's dip into the trailer timeout for this week. Okay, we're going to do the trailer. And when we when we blah, 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 blah. <laughs> when we return, I never thought that would be a hard phrase to say, but apparently it was. Um, when we return, our shared deadcast experience will explore the mid '80s delight. This is a delight known as the Toxic Avenger by Lloyd Kaufman Trauma Films. Back in a splat, kids. Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. The first superhero born out of nuclear waste. Holy shit! I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. All right, everybody, drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains out. The vandals and the perverts had their way with the little people of Tromaville until the Toxic Avenger ripped them apart. The Toxic Avenger. His face is so terrifying. We can't show it to you now. You'll have to see the movie for yourself. The Toxic Avenger can bend steel with his bare hands. Get it? Leap small cars in a single bound. He crushes drug pushers. Smashes hit and run drivers. For incredible explosive action, you must see the Toxic Avenger. He's a different kind of hero. The Toxic Avenger is coming to your town. Look out. You know, when it comes to the horror genre, for some of us, the scariest things we saw as a kid directed us, you know, away from horror films, you know, or anything scary. And then for the rest of us, this was our gateway into the wonderful and expansive genre of horror and the macabre. 
And recently I've been listening to the podcast, um, Eli Roth's History of Horror, like the uncut thing where it's like the full interviews and whatnot. And it's been kind of cool listening to some of the horror greats like, you know, Eli Roth or Greg Nicotero, Rob Zombie, even Quentin Tarantino, you know, hearing about what scared them for the first time when they were, you know, young or whatever. And it got me thinking, you know, what kind of, what, what movies like sparked me with fear the first time and whatnot. So recently on social media, like within my friends and whatnot, I listed like, it was like four movies that when I was young, they just really got to me. They creeped me out. They scared me. They gave me that thrill of fear or whatever, which led to me getting fully immersed into the horror genre. And then I asked the question of my friends. I said, what movie scared you as a kid? Now for me personally, there's four that stood out. Uh, one of them being an animated movie for kids, uh, the secret of Nim, uh, specifically the great owl, <laughs> Um, freaked me the fuck out as a kid, like really scared me. And then, I mean, there was this movie making contact, which was Roland Emmerich's first film, uh, you know, before he would go on to do movies like, uh, Independence Day and, um, what was it? The day after tomorrow and stuff like that. He did this movie making contact and which as an adult, now I watch this movie and it doesn't scare me in the slightest but when I was a kid, there's a ventriloquist doll in there that's like that talks to the kids, supposed to be like, you know, he's channeling the kid's father from the dead and whatnot. And fuck, that was shit was nightmare fuel when I was a kid. Um, and then, I mean, well, you guys know, like when you listen to the opening theme of this podcast, there's there's a part where I have Zelda from Pet Cemetery saying, "Never get out of bed again." That's there for a reason because Zelda alone, like even to this very day, still get unnerved by that character. I know it was pl it was played by Andrew Hubitzek, and so it wasn't even a woman playing that role. But I mean, fuck that! To this day, that character still freaks me out. I think that's why the remake didn't impress me that much because Zelda didn't work for me. But Zelda in that original Pet Cemetery. Ugh, heebie-jeebies, man, heebie-jeebies. And then finally, um, 1963, The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> to this day, that movie is like sort of like a love-hate thing for me because I fucking love that movie, like, so much. But yet at the same time, that movie, like, okay, I, on a personal level, I kind of have like this like unnerving fear of birds, and, I mean, I can be around birds, obviously. It's not, you know, it's not to the point where I have anxiety attacks or anything. But the idea of those little bird beaks pecking out my eyes, it's like, no, no, stay away from my eyes. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, so when I asked the question of my friends, like, you know, what movies scared them, the, the answers were really interesting. Um you know, my friend Jacob, it was The Exorcist, was the movie that got him. Um, Keith had some interesting answers. My friend Keith. Uh, Magic, it's a 1978 movie. There's a, the trailer for it. It has, like, this ventriloquist doll. And he, he sent me the link to the trailer, and I completely forgot about it till I saw it again. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. <sighs> And then he mentioned about The Black Hole was another movie that freaked him out. Um, other movies that were brought up, uh, Amityville Horror, uh, Silver Bullet, Aliens. Uh, Aliens actually got, well, Aliens and Alien both were mentioned. Tremors was mentioned. Uh, let's see. Freddy Krueger and Chucky came up a lot. Poltergeist came up. Um, my one friend wrote all of them. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, my friend Odessa, she wrote that all horror films scared her. Um, and But yeah, it was just, it's one of those things where like, you know, a candy man was another one that was mentioned. It's just, it's weird because with 
the horror genre, it's like either like when you're young, you either get scared so much that you want more or you get scared so much that you never want to deal with that again. Um, <laughs> and oh, Spellbinder. That was brought up. That's an interesting one. And that's a movie that eventually I'd like to do on this show. It made me fall in love with Kelly Preston. And at the same time, yeah, it's a freaky fucking movie. Um, but yeah, there was, uh, it was just interesting to, to think about and to discuss with people about what scared us in, in our youth. And, you know, so, um, Dark Crystal was another one that was mentioned. I, th- th- there was a lot that, and Dark Crystal is an interesting one too because you think about it, it's a Jim Henson movie. You think, oh, Jim Henson, the Muppets, and this and that. He didn't fuck around with that movie. Like, and it even the sequel later on, like the Age of Resistance uh, Netflix series, that was creepy too. So I mean, it was just something I was I was thinking about. I was like, I'm going to mention that before we get into this week's review, which is clearly not a scary movie. It does have some sweet elements of horror in it, but Toxic Avenger was more satire, and it was a political statement on pollution and the toxic waste issues of the eighties, and which still continue to this very day. But and I think that's part of what makes this movie so timeless, even though yeah, it's somewhat dated and whatnot, but the themes in it are very relevant to this very day. The idea of bullying, the idea of toxic waste and whatnot. So see, it all leads into where I'm going with this, but uh, yeah, anyways, that was just something I quickly wanted to highlight on. Now it's time for the review of the week, the toxic Avenger, which the film itself was released in May of 1984. However, it was completely, pretty much completely ignored and disregarded. Uh, Nobody was paying any attention to it until late 1985. So when you look at the release date for this film, I mean, it's anywhere between 1984 and 1986, just based on when people really started to discover it. Um, It seems from what I was looking at, uh, the established release date is somewhat considered to be April 11th, 1986. But it had been playing in certain midnight theater houses and whatnot since 1984. The movie is produced and directed by Mr. Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers. Now, Hers, I'll quickly highlight on him. He directed only nine titles, which also included Toxic Avenger 2 and 3 and Trauma's War. And he's produced 85 titles. Lloyd, however. Okay, now, and when you think of Lloyd Kaufman, like, I mean, when we think of famed directors, producers, filmmakers, and whatnot, you think of, you know, Oliver Stone, Brian De Palma, Toby Hooper, uh, Steven Spielberg, Quentin Tarantino, Eli Roth, these big names. Lloyd is another one of those names that should be included in that list. And I know he's like the king of B movies and whatnot, you know, right there with Frank Henenlotter and Larry Cohen and stuff like that. But I mean, Lloyd Kaufman has such a huge resume when it comes to, to filmmaking. I mean, I mean, when you think of trauma films, who do you think of? You think of Lloyd Kaufman, you know, he formed trauma in 1974 with Michael Herz. Uh, he's the president of Troma Films, uh, which interestingly enough, and I kind of knew this, but it was I, I had it confirmed when you know looking into this movie and whatnot. Troma Films is the longest-running independent film company of all of them. Um, now Lloyd himself, he's acted in over 385 films. He's produced 143 fi- projects or films, whatever written for 41 of them, and directed 54 of them. (laughs) Um, There's way, way too many credits for me to start going through them. He's a filmmaking behemoth. You know, and not that I want to take this off on a morbid stretch here or whatnot, but when we lose Lloyd, we, we will be losing a huge filmmaking influence. Um, Cause he, like I said, he's a behemoth in all the best ways too. You know what I mean? Like 
as a matter of fact, like even in terms of acting, like he's going to have a role. Um, I, I, a while back, I did a review for the 2016 film, the barn. He's going to be in this, he's going to be in the sequel. Um, and another thing that I, I, fuck, I didn't even know this. And cause I, what was it? I mentioned about James Gunn and his, um, his sense of humor that he brings to movies. I mentioned that a few weeks ago or whatever. Lloyd was in Guardians of the Galaxy, a James Gunn film. Um, he was uncredited as a prisoner in the film or whatnot. But yeah, James brought Lloyd into that film as sort of like, you know, sort of like, I, I guess it would be kind of like a thank you because, you know, James Gunn basically got his start with trauma films. If it's not for Lloyd, James doesn't have the career he has. So and again, that's James Gunn is another big name in Hollywood. You know what I mean? And Lloyd had something to do with that. Lloyd Lloyd worked with Oliver Stone. You know, he he was behind the scenes in the filming of Rocky. You know, so I mean, Lloyd's been around. The story for Toxic Avenger was also written by Lloyd. Uh, the screenplay, however, was done by Joe Ritter. Ritter, primarily a steady cam guy. Not actually a writer. He uh, he worked steady cam for films like Freddy Freddy's Dead, not Freddy versus Jason. I almost said Freddy versus Jason, but he was uh, he was in Freddy's Dead, Maniac Cop two, uh, 1992's Dracula, a Francis Ford Coppola film, Doctor Giggles, Pulp Fiction, and Wayne's World two. Cinematography for the film was by James London, whose real name is actually James Lebovitz. And he worked on the other Toxic Avenger films as well. Um, he also worked on Maniac Cop 2, Troma's War, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Critters 4. In terms of score, uh, no actual composer for this film, though just by things I was reading and whatnot, uh, Delmar Brown was credited for quite a few of the musical compositions for the film. So... But yeah, I, I have a little bit more on Lloyd later on. But there was there's a lot. I mean, he's like I said, he's very influential in the filmmaking world. In terms of notable cast, um, and the cast goes very long for this, so I just picked out specific names. Starting with Mitch Cohen as the Toxic Avenger. Now. Interestingly enough, Mitch is the presence on the screen, but the voice was not done by Mitch. Voice was done by Kenneth Kessler. Kessler was a behind-the-scenes kind of guy as well. This is basically his only role <laughs> as the first Toxic Avenger film in which he did the voice of Toxie. Now, Mitch, on the other hand, again, not a very huge career, but he was tied to another indie cult flick. Um, he was in Kevin Smith's Clerks in 1994. So that's kind of interesting. The other name tied to Toxie is Mark Torgel as Melvin. He's, he's the little 90-pound weakling, as they call him. Everyone hated Melvin. Um, he did return in Citizen Toxie, which was Toxic Avenger 4. He was the evil Melvin. Um, was also in uh, Return to Return to Newcomb High. <laughs> he played a janitor in that as well. Uh, and most recently, he was in a um, fantasy slash documentary, uh, Toxic Tutu. Uh, I'll have a little bit more on that in a bit as well. Cindy Mannion played Julie. Julie's the the girl who kind of tricks. Melvin into the nasty little trick they play on him, which leads him to be the superhero of the film. She was also in the 1984 movie Preppies. Probably one of the more famous people in this movie, uh, Pat Ryan was the mayor, Mayor Peter Belgoody. And he was also in Class of Newcomb High, he was in the movie Mannequin, and he was in Street Trash. Uh, in Street Trash, probably if you've seen the movie, let's just say he's sort of tied to a little um, implied 
necrophiliac uh, scene. <laughs> um, it's implied. They don't show it, but it's there. Also in the film, Patrick Kilpatrick as Leroy or Leroy or whatever. He's acted in 159 different projects. Toxic Avenger, though, was his first feature role. Um he also had roles in Class of 1999. He was in the 1994 Stand miniseries, in the movie Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, Death Warrant with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and he's done a, t- a ton of TV work. Kilpatrick, though, however, and Leroy is the uh, face-painted criminal in the uh, Mexican restaurant and whatnot, he quit the film after he had to point a shotgun at a baby. Apparently it disturbed him too much and he was like, I'm done. You got my scenes, I'm out of here. Uh, also from that scene was Cigar Face. Remember him? He's played by Dan Snow. And he was in all the Atoxic Avenger films. He was also in Troma's War and Return to Newcomb High. Other actors and actresses in this film, uh, Jennifer Baptist played Wanda and Robert Pritchard played Slug, her boyfriend. They were the couple. Uh, Interesting little trivia fact, the two of them actually fell in love on the set and ended up becoming married uh, shortly after the filming of this. Uh, Since then, I believe they have divorced as well, but yeah, they, uh, as uh, being an on-screen couple, they actually fell in love in real life. Gary Schneider played the character of Bozo, which actually Vincent D'Onofrio was set to play that role. But D'Onofrio, this kind of made me laugh, he asked for a raise. He wanted a raise while he was on this film, and instead of uh, giving it to him, they said, no, you're fired, goodbye. And they cast Gary Schneider in the role instead. Dick Martinson as Officer O'Clancy. Just to quickly finish this off, David Weiss is the Chief of Police. Doug Ispeck as Knuckles and Charles Lee Jr. as Nipples. The runtime is typically 82 minutes long. However, there is a director's cut slash Japanese cut, um, which runs about 91 minutes long movie was rated R for non-stop action, strong sexual content and nudity, gore, substance abuse of alcohol and drugs, language, and strong graphic violence. The budget for the film was 500000 and the gross was 800000 But since then, the movie has become a huge cult film and has garnered in thousands of dollars from merchandise, an animated TV series for kids, (laughs) Um, a musical, it's a musical on Broadway, and not to mention the sales from the VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray sales. So, Toxic Avenger, like I said, it's an iconic film that even though its theatrical gross was only 800000 since then, it has brought in millions. The synopsis for the film is as follows. A thrilling, one-of-a-kind, action-packed film loaded with adventure, horror, science fiction, and unforgettable big-budget special effects. Melvin, a skinny, weak, wimp of a man, is a janitor at a health club teased by the beautiful men in the club he falls victim to a particularly nasty trick plunging into a vat of toxic waste the rest is as they say history melvin has become the toxic avenger a monstrous mutated mass out to rid the world of evil And now on to the notes from Tromaville, New Jersey. Because how much is a kid on a bicycle? 28 points if you get both the kid and the bicycle. Yeah, the quotes in this movie are hilarious. And have been used in like several samples of like songs and movies and whatnot. But a little bit of backstory quickly on Lloyd Kaufman and Troma. Um... 
so prior to even trauma, Lloyd Kaufman had worked on Rocky. Um, he, had wor- he was a locations manager for Saturday Night Fever. Um, he started a company known as 15th Street Films. It's a little production house uh, with Oliver Stone. Stone left. He, he took off. He went and did his own thing. Um, and sort of after that, I guess 15th Street basically went kaput. So Kaufman then teams up with Michael Hers. They go on to form Trauma. And basically, as I was discovering, so they had a hit with Trauma Films that was unexpected and apparently accidental. Uh, it was a sex film called Squeeze Play. And who knew it, all of a sudden Trauma Films was a thing. And then you tie in the fact that when Lloyd was working on Rocky, he uh, he decided to make a movie in a health club. That was kind of his thing. He wanted to make this film with a health club. And on top of the fact that he read some article where it basically was saying that horror movies were dead. I mean, you got to keep in mind, and you think about the, the 70s, mid-70s, I mean, even like, you know, a movie like The Exorcist, sure, it goes on to win Ox- Oscars, but they called it a thriller. They didn't want to call it a horror film. Horror is like the ugly, nasty stepchild. Nobody ever wants to actually think of horror films. And Lloyd wanting to do his movie about a health club, and he reads, you know, this story about how horror films are dead, he decides, okay, health club was, you know, was supposed to be a comedy. He decides, okay, let's turn it into a horror movie instead. Let's let's prove to the world that horror is not dead. And the film's working title, Toxic Avenger, was Health Club. Um, that was the working title. And apparently, the, if you go on Troma's website, you can even see like lobby cards that called it Health Club and whatnot. But I mean, that's that's where this all started. You know, Rocky leads to Toxic Avenger. Who who would see that coming, right? And then you take a look at Toxic Avenger as a film now. This movie is offensive. It's bizarre. It's outrageous. Insane. It's just batshit crazy. And probably better than most superhero films being released in this current era. I know, blasphemy that I say that, but it <laughs> it is, really. Like, I mean... Sure, the movie looks dated and trashy. Uh, but here's the thing also is... And I think this is sometimes my problem with current films. Is that... Yes, all these movies, like the Marvel films, the DC films and whatnot, they look gorgeous. The Oh, the, the CGI makes it look beautiful and polished and everything is perfectly choreographed and whatnot... But why does every movie have to be done that way to be considered good? What's wrong with a, a movie like Toxic Avenger looking trashy and dirty and filthy? And yet the story still holds up, you know? And I, I know I kind of make my knock at Marvel, but Marvel did publish Toxic Avenger comics in 1991 to 92. So, I mean, it can't completely knock Marvel. But, um, you know, this little 1984 movie, (laughs) the direction quality, like the directing quality of it looks completely lackluster, has a weird script, extremely over the top acting. Like, I mean, like this movie makes Nicolas Cage look like every role he's ever played. He's played it straight as a board. That's how over-the-top the acting is in this. The special effects look like they came from a fourth-grade art class at times. And other times, they look actually pretty fucking cool. But this work, this film works on so many different levels. I mean, you have to go into this film with the right mindset, though, which basically means don't attempt to think it out at all. <laughs> you just got to let it take you where it's going to go. Don't question anything and just allow it to entertain you. And I will say, okay, so I mentioned about the runtime. The runtime technically is 82 minutes long. There's, I, the, the copy that I own, I own the Japanese cut. 
You know, it's 91 minutes long. So now there's like, for example, it's kind of weird because I don't know why, <laughs> why it does this, but there's like this musical montage part in the film. And even like when I was watching, when I even just watching it this for this review, but I mean, I remember when I watched it the first time, the Japanese disc, and I'm sitting here going, is it me or does it seem like the song keeps re-looping itself? Well, apparently that's what it does. <laughs> it's actually noted that um, the musical montage part of the, the film, the song keeps re-looping. So it wasn't just me. It apparently does that. And but the unrated director's cut, the Japanese cut, and whatnot, what it is is they they brought back in a lot of the gore that was taken out. Like, okay, for example, like when the kid on the bike gets his head run over by, you know, the the kids in the car and whatnot. A lot of that was taken out. And in the director's cut that was put back in. Um some of the gore shots were taken out so that the movie could get an R rating and the unrated director's cut and both, well, both that and the Japanese cut basically put all that gore back in. The Japanese cut also has at the beginning, it's kind of funny you watch it and I'm putting the clip at the end of this episode, by the way, there's like this intro where it's like these girls from trauma or like, you know, talking about toxic Avenger and, talking about Lloyd Kaufman and then they're like, Oh, and Toxie has, you know, the same problems as you. He has to look out for his mother. He has to pay the rent. And then Toxic Avenger basically comes in and goes, and I got to wear a damn tutu. And it's like, it's just, it's funny. It's, but it's the fact that that Japanese intro. So because it was on the Japanese release, they had subtitles for, you know, the Japanese audience. Well, for, when when Lloyd re-released it for North American audiences, they put the translations of the subtitles at the bottom of the screen, and almost none of it goes with what they're actually talking about. So it's just, it's kind of funny. Uh, in terms of, okay, so I did mention this movie is offensive. Um, Let's keep in mind that first off, it was the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, you got a kid's head is run over by a car and crushed. Um, The language... There's certain words, uh, derogatory words towards homosexuality. Um, there's words, you know, retard gets used a lot. Um, I mean, these are words that in the 80s we didn't think twice about. In 2021, yeah, it's going to offend a few people. Um, there's animal cruelty uh, to a degree <laughs> in that a stuffed dog is killed. Um but it's a seeing eye dog. Who the fuck kills a seeing eye dog? But in this movie, they do it. Um, which is apparently that was the scene that cut a lot of complaints back at that back in that time, that time era. <laughs> that was where a lot of people took a lot of offense to this film. Was the seeing eye dog gets shot and killed? Which I read that they like trained the dog that he's supposed to run in like slide to make it look like he got shot. And they were able to treat, you know, train the dog to do that and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of gore in this film, arms getting ripped off. It's gooey and slimy and messy. And movie has a dirty feel to it. I'm not going to lie. But then there's that story, the story of the underdog coming out on top. And there's the story of the, the, the weak kid who was bullied comes back to get even for being bullied. He's going to set all the wrong things right. It's it's a story of evil versus good. These are timeless stories, you know? And the actors, like, like I, I pointed out notable actors, but, I mean, if you saw the list of actors, there's most of them are not well-known. You know, you don't have gorgeous faces like Christian Bale or Chris Evans or... Gal Gadot or even Stephen Amell, you know, so on and so forth. You don't have it. You don't have any of that. It's a bunch of no names, but that's, it kind of makes it relatable because when you're watching it, you know that you're not the, you know, the buff, 
Chris Evans, who, you know, Captain America was so perfect, he never did anything wrong kind of thing. Well, I mean, he did things wrong. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, you can relate to it because these are all no-name faces, you know. Some of these people would be, you know, considered ugly or fat or obese or whatever. Like, I mean, it's a crazy romp of a film in the most fantastical way that it can be. And to keep in mind, it's the movie that, you know, defined trauma, you know, put them on the map. It's being a certified distributor of visual art, you know. It's iconic in its status. Um, the character of Toxie alone has, is a beloved hero. You know, I mentioned earlier, it, it has a cartoon series. You know, a cartoon series that, uh, what was it, 1997, I think. Okay, so the cartoon series ran for two seasons. And then in 1997, they they took basically the best parts of that cartoon series and put it together as like a full-length feature and whatnot. So, I mean, but again, for kids, you know. I mean, it's not shocking. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, we had action figures for Rambo and the Terminator. You know, those are... Adult movies, rated R, can't see them as a kid, but, well, we did see them as kids, but, I mean, you weren't supposed to, and yet we had action figures, and Rambo even had his own animated series, you know? But Toxic Avenger is up there, and you mentioned Toxic Avenger, quite a few people know what you're talking about, you know? My friend TJ even pointed out, he sent, he sent me a link that, like, there's Toxie shoes you can buy. You know, there's shoes with Toxic Avenger on them. I mean, it's iconic. It's huge. You know, Lloyd Kaufman appeared on Comic Book Men. And who did he bring with him? Toxic Avenger. Whenever Lloyd does conventions, you're always bound to find Toxie there. And if for whatever reason, I when I met him at Shockstock... Toxic Avenger was not with him. However, there were people cosplayed as Toxic Avenger. Um, speaking of conventions, Mark Turgle. Basically, thirty for about 30 years after the first film came out, he more or less was MIA. I mean, give or take the few small times he appeared in movies, and I'm more or less re- you know, referring to... Uh, Citizen Toxie, uh, Toxie 4, whatever. But then in 2017, he comes out with this fantasy documentary called Toxic Tutu. Hashtag me tutu. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the, I just recently watched the, the documentary, somewhat documentary. I mean, it's, it's, a fan, it's part fantasy, part documentary, uh, chronicling the fact that Mark started appearing in the convention circuit. He was finally meeting fans. He was doing autographs and whatnot. And then they, to this documentary, they tie this funny little story about there's this toxic waste that it's the toxic waste that turned him into the toxic Avenger. And now these evil people are out to get their hands on it so they can take it themselves and become their own sort of unstoppable forces, sort of like a super serum. Um, well, that's interesting. Where, where did we recently hear that story? But anyways, um, you know, and in the documentary, I mean, there, there's some some familiar faces. There's Jake the Snake Roberts. I mean, Lloyd Kaufman, of course. And then, oh, hey, because I talk about it pretty much every episode, The Last Drive-In, um, Darcy the Male Girl is in this fantasy documentary. You know, I mean, she's not... Darcy at that point she started being Darcy the male girl in 2018 this came out in 2017 so she's technically credited as Diana Prince but but yeah like that that's it's kind of what I'm trying to point out is that this film became so iconic that Toxic Avenger is it's as absurd as it sounds he's established himself a table a, a spot at the table with the big kids you know, the superheroes of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and, and Captain America and Iron Man and there's Toxic Avenger. He's up there with them, you know? And that's that's what this that's what this movie did. You know, it established trauma. It established the character of Toxie. It, it, it had a somewhat of a, a little 
story about, you know, pollution, you know, without being too preachy. You know what I mean? Um, it deals with the idea of bullying. Um, and, and I mean, these, like I said, these are all themes that are very relevant today. You know, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. I mean, like rotten to, okay, so critics and audience scores are kind of interesting when it comes to this film because like Rotten Tomatoes, for example, sees the film at 70% approval rating. The audience score is at 63% uh, audience score. However, the difference between that is when you look at the critic reviews, there's only 20 crit critic reviews at 70%. The audience score, you have, I, what did I read? Something like 10,000 plus audience score? Like it, over 10,000 people have commented on this film. It's going to be kind of hard to hold, hold it up at a 70%. So 63 is still pretty fucking good. Metacritic has the movie at 42 out of 100, you know, with mixed to average reviews. But honestly, who cares? That's Metacritic. Think of meta this. Um, in, in terms of, you know, actual critics, though, like Leonard Maltin, he gives it a two and a half out of four stars. And he says, you know, the movie's a, a funny spoof, not without violence and gore, but still entertaining. Um, yes, it's entertaining. That's what movies should do, is entertain you. TV Guide, even though they gave the movie one out of four, which I wasn't overly thrilled with that, but they do reward the film with this much. They say, though it is silly, sleazy, and graphically violent, the Toxic Avenger does hold a bit of a warped charm for fans of this sort of thing. And that's exactly it. Yeah, it's warped. It's completely mentally out there. But it's got a charm to it. Um... Anton Bittel of Filmland Empire, I think he summed it up best. He wrote, Here, beneath all the smiles and sun and buff bodies, is a vision of the U.S. as a place of corruption, pollution, and violent criminality, with the ordinary law-abiding little people constantly at the mercy of a toxic American dream. Interesting how he came to that. Like, I mean, that's that's taking a movie that doesn't think of itself very deeply, and he gave it this really deep thought. And it's like, okay. I kind of can't disagree with that. I mean, again, still relevant even to this very day. So, I mean, and that's the thing that makes this movie so successful is the fact that so much of the themes are relevant. And they've been relevant since 1984, all the way up to 2021. Um, in terms of the podcast zero rating, and now, okay, so I'm doing this a little bit differently because one thing I had noticed when I was doing reviews is that it always seems like I, I come up to my summary and I basically repeat everything I've already just said. You guys have just, for the last 20, 25 minutes, have just heard me talk about this movie, talk about the history of trauma and all that sort of stuff. I shouldn't have to repeat it again because you've already heard it. So this is where I kind of just... I, I'm going to give it the VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, all the formats rating. One or two lines to summarize it, and that's the end of that. So, Toxic Avenger, 1984. Out of a VHS rating, DVD rating, Blu-ray rating, or give me all the formats... I'd give it a Blu-ray rating. Personally, I own it on DVD and not Blu-ray, but <laughs> I give it a Blu-ray rating. It's a movie that can definitely be revisited over and over. And there's always something new to find in it. And I mean, yes, it's offensively hilarious. It's absurd. It's hysterical. It's everything that shouldn't work, but does. It's a Blu-ray rating. And on that note, yes, I'm thanking you for listening. All done. See, it wasn't that painful, was it? No. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I will say thank you for the, the support, especially over the past several weeks. I've seen an increase of listeners, which is kind of making me feel good. Uh, it's not astronomical, but hey, you know what? I appreciate that you're here. I appreciate that you're listening. So that means a lot to me. Um, 
I will say, okay, so I'm going to kind of nip a few things in the butt right now. First off, this week, there will be no closing track because what I'm basically going to close with is a little clip from the Japanese release that I think is kind of funny. So no song this week. You don't need one every week. And as for episode 94, I'm currently working on something. So it's to be determined. Could possibly be a movie review of the week or it could be possibly something else. So I I have some details I still have to iron out. But episode 94 is sort of up in arms right now. It's up in the air. I have a few ideas I'm toying around. So aside from that, where to find the podcast? Um, You can definitely find it uh, wherever you stream podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, FM Player, Podbean, Podcast Addict, so many different places, redcircle.com. I also should mention that on the Instagram page and the Facebook page, you will normally see a little link. Uh, Instagram, it's within the bio. Um, If you go on the actual account, there'll be a, a link that is usually a direct link to the episode of that that week so you can also access the podcast from instagram and you can access it from facebook whenever i do the promotion on facebook i usually attach a little link to it that will take you directly to the episode as well um you can also find it at the next level network.com and you can find it at what lurks behind podcast zero.com on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, and on Twitter at WLB Podcast Zero. Lurker's recommendation um, I have two, and I've mentioned both of them already. Uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror Uncut Podcast. Definitely check it out. Uh, I've been listening to it through Spotify. You can you can access it through Shutter. Um, it is in their series section of the uh, the site or the app or whatever. You can listen to it through there, or like I said, like it's on so many different podcast apps. And the other thing I'm going to recommend is Toxic Tutu, the um, the fantasy documentary. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it. It was actually really funny. Um, it was very interesting, and it also there's some cool uh, scenes with uh, Lloyd and Mark Torgal as well. So I'm de- definitely going to recommend that. I watched it through, um, like I rented it through Google Movies. Uh, I know it is up for like on demand, and I believe in the states. From if I read correctly, it's on Hulu, I think. So you should have access to it there. That's about it, kids. Not much else to really say. Um, oh, there's one last thing, and I'm, I'm, I specifically wanted to leave this for the end. So I did complete all the endings on Cyberpunk 2077. And I will say, as much as I love this game, and it's been a, a very fun game to play and whatnot, all I have left is side missions now. I've completed all the actual endings and whatnot. It's all the side missions I have left now, and that's it. But I will say that the endings, some are really good, some are not. Um, I don't want to spoil which ones are good and which ones aren't, but let's just say if B lives, it tends to be a little bit more satisfying than if she doesn't. Um... And there is a, a, a hit. The, the hidden ending is basically you don't end the game. You, you just throw your life away and that's that. Um, I will say, though, that even though that ending seems sort of meh, um, during the credits, that when the credits are running, they show like different people leaving messages for B and whatnot. That was pretty powerful. I will say that. Um, the ending itself was sort of meh, but then when it got to the credits and it was showing the different reactions to V basically throwing her life away, that was some powerful shit. So, that's that. Uh, thank you for tuning in. 
like I said, episode 94 to be determined at this moment. But I, I will say this. If it ends up being a movie review, the movie review will be The Burning. Uh, that would be possibly the next episode. But I do have one little trick under my up my sleeve that I'm hoping I can pull out. So episode 94 may be something different. And now I'm going to let you just listen to basically what was the uh, a portion of the intro from the Japanese DVD the, ja- the Japanese cut DVD and that's how this episode's gonna end until then it's a cut you need to shut the fuck up greetings from Tromaville and welcome to Troma Video Bites the Troma Team Video Zine <laughs> you know Film critics have said that with the Toxic Avenger, Troma put a new face on cinematic superheroes. The same way that Marvel Comics revolutionized the comic book superheroes of the late 60s. Toxie is a superhero who has the same kind of problems that you and I do. He's got to pay the rent. He's got to take care of his mom. He's got acne. Toxie is the superhero who fights crime, corruption, and chemical waste by shutting knobs down people's throats and ripping their arms off. But what has made him beloved the world over as a real hero is that Toxie has to learn to cope with the problems of everyday life in Tromaville. And not only that, I'm the only superhero who wears a tutu. 